Good morning. Today's Bible reading will be from Colossians 3, verses 1 to 17. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks, Evan. Evan was on the youth group camp as well, and I'm sure he can tell you uh, what he got out of camp as well if you talk to him after. The passage that was read for us, as you read through it and reflect on it, it has encouraging things for us to hear about what it means to be a Christian, also what it means to be relating with other Christians, in other words, church. But the sermon that we're looking at is a topical sermon. So yeah, by by all means, keep that passage open. I will refer to it. But today we're kind of pulling together what um, the Bible says about church from various places. So it's a topical sermon. 90% of the sermons we have at church aren't like that. 90% of our sermons, we work through a book of the Bible, uh, verse by verse or chapter by chapter, in such a way that hopefully we're helping each other read the whole Bible for ourselves and letting the Bible dictate what it is um, that we're talking about. But about 10% of the sermons are topical like this one today. With a topical sermon, because I'm pulling in thoughts from around the Bible, there's more chance I'll either get things wrong or I'll assume things and not fully explain things. So it's one of those weeks where you need to um, be listening carefully and weighing up what you hear. And for that, in addition to every other good reason to pray before we look at the Bible, I'm going to pray now, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, at the start of a new year of church, please help us all to be clear on who we are as a church, clear on what we do as a church. We pray for our understanding of your word this morning. 
we pray that our understanding of the Bible would change and shape the way we think about your church. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're thinking about who we are as a church. So if you are visiting or if you're relatively new around church, perfect. You timed your visit really well because this will save a lot of the fluffing around if you're trying to work out whether you want to stick around with us because you'll know by the end of the sermon who we think we are as a church. But that's just a a fringe benefit, I suppose, because the sermon today is actually for our regulars. It's for those of you who, um, this is your congregation, this is your church. You might be new or you might have been around forever, you might be founding members. This is for you that we're doing this, thinking about who we are as a church. And when I say this is for you, it's for me as well, for us all to remind each other who we are as a church. Being clear on who we are as a church, it's particularly important, I think, over the last few years as we've been enduring a pandemic. I mean, you look around the hall. If you can remember two years ago, this looks very different to what we're used to in the way we set up the hall, the way we relate to each other. And there's a lot of you on, on YouTube that has been more so in the last couple of weeks. It's a very different experience. Um, two years ago, I don't think I would ever have thought to put social distancing in the same sentence. Now they're almost one word. Everything has changed. And as you um, watch church on YouTube, we're coming that close to becoming you know, a budget televangelist type setup, aren't we? It's a bit weird. So I think, particularly in the times we're in, it's important for us to be very clear on who we are as a church. Thankfully, there are you know, healthy signs that we are still serving each other. We've survived as a church two years of this, haven't we? There may be more to come. But everyone seems to be making an effort to communicate, share your lives to, together in every way that you can find, and doing all the things that we should do as a church. But we'll come back to that next week. That's the, what we do as a church. Today we're thinking about who we are as a church. It is important for us to be clear on who we are as a church because if we get it wrong, well, the, the first, I think the first big reason to be clear on who we are as a church is we can then get through the challenges that come our way. Yeah, it might be a pandemic, but it might also be disagreements that you have with each other or when you disappoint each other, um, or when there's personality clashes. You, you, we can get through all that if we're clear on who we are as a church. We can work out our differences and keep pressing on. So what I'm saying is, once you become part of any church, you can expect there to be challenges. They will come. It won't be all happy camping. But if we're clear on who we are as a church and what we're doing as a church, we'll be far more likely to work through those challenges together rather than pack it in and walk away. So it's important to be clear on who we are as a church for lots of other reasons too. Um, being clear on who we are, it'll save us from being distracted by things that don't particularly matter, investing time and energy and effort and resources into things which really are of little consequence when you're clear on who we are as a church. If we're clear on who we are and what we're doing, we're less likely to drift aimlessly from this to that or from project to, to project without purpose or meaning. If we're clear on who we are, then we'll be more inclined to make the effort to work out how we can fit in and how we can serve. Because church is about serving each other, not just consuming. If we're clear on who we are, then we will have the freedom to make changes even in a Presbyterian church. Make changes that make us better able to be who we are as a church. Changes that might be necessary, like for example, when a pandemic hits. Um, we can adapt and get around some of those challenges. So being clear on who we are, it's important, and it's helpful for us to keep working through together. On the other hand, if we just let things go, 
The alternative to being clear, it will lead to people being dissatisfied, people being disappointed, people being disillusioned, it'll lead to disagreements, distractions, disconnection, disengagement, and I th couldn't think of a lot more dis words, but you get the picture. So at the start of a new year, let's be clear on who we are, and I trust that this year, what I say will be very, very similar to what I said this time last year, otherwise last year we weren't real clear. So, first of all, the definitions. When we think of church, what are we thinking of? We use the word in different ways, don't we? When we use the word church, we might be referring to a building, a purpose-built building, a church. But at the same time, when we refer to church, we might be referring to the people that meet in one of those buildings. So the gathering, the people. So we use the word church to talk about a building, we use the word church to talk about the people. But a church building without a church gathering in it, a church building without the church people, well, that could become a restaurant or a museum or a childcare centre, couldn't it? Meanwhile, here we are, a church of people meeting in a building that's certainly not built for church. Every morning when we set up on a Sunday, we show that it wasn't set up for church. We don't need a distinctive church building to be a church, do we? The church is the people gathered. When we do get around to building a building for church on one pool of our road, it'll be fantastic. It'll be a massive aid to ministry. But even without that building, we are still a church of people. So that's the first definition thing. We need to distinguish between a church building and the church proper, the people that make up the church. Church is fundamentally about the people gathered. It's an obvious point, but you kind of got to have it clear because there are people who will choose their church based on the building or even based on the architecture of the building. Or they might choose a church that has a building so they don't have to set up chairs. And churches can prioritise their resources on a building rather than the congregation, rather than the people. So we do need to be clear, church is about the people. That's what we're concerned with. Church is fundamentally about people gathered, people gathered, people congregating. So temporary workarounds, like what we're using here with YouTube, is a temporary workaround. Church is the people gathered. Church on the internet is a temporary workaround with heaps of issues with it. The biggest one is, how do you serve others when you're on a screen? And that's why I've encouraged you numerous times, if you are on YouTube, to make some phone calls after church, interact with people, do the serving and the caring for others that is part of being church. So we're trying to be clear on who we are as a church, and we've started with the definition of church. The, the, most, the word most often translated church in the Bible is the word for gathering or the congregation, congregating, churching, people gathered. And when we think of church as a gathering, we're not just thinking of any gathering. So a group of Christians might gather for a birthday party. That's not church, is it? They might gather for park run, a fantastic thing to do, but it's not church. Um, we need to be slightly tighter in our definition. Church is a gathering of people who follow Jesus. It's a gathering of Christians. And it's still not quite tight enough because it's what you do when that group gathers as well, isn't it? So a group of Christians, distinctly Christians, having a birthday party, it's still not church. It's what the group is doing when they gather. For the church we're talking about, when Christians gather, it's all about Jesus. Everything you do is about Jesus. Church is gathering, a gathering of followers of Jesus who we gather around Jesus in a way that reflects the gathering around Jesus in heaven. 
Um, When we gather as a church, we open the Bible so that we can listen to God. When we gather together as a church, we pray to God. We sing praises to God. We do all the things which we'll be doing for eternity in heaven around Jesus. Our church gathering is all about Jesus. And here's a line from Theological College, a better one than Steve Young went to. Um, Church is the gathering around Jesus clothed in his word. Because the real gathering, the eternal gathering, the, the real church is the church in heaven around Jesus. But until Jesus returns, we gather as a group of people here on earth and we gather around Jesus clothed in his word, clothed in the Bible. I mean, at this point, I'm hoping we're all on the same page, all agreeing with, with each other. This is not rocket science, but it is important to be nice and clear because there are churches that gather for all other reasons, all sorts of other reasons, um, other than Jesus clothed in his word. There's churches around that gather essentially for music. There's churches that gather for self-improvement with you know, sermons that don't need the Bible, almost like today's one. Somewhere, somehow they've become so unclear about who they are as a church that eventually people will stop coming because they have no purpose. And the church building that they're meeting in will get repurposed as a childcare centre or something like that. It happens. So church is a gathering of Christians gathered around Jesus. The ultimate church is the gathering around Jesus in heaven. Until we see Jesus return, we gather around Jesus clothed in his word. They're basic things, but things to be very clear on. We gather as a church... Where people among, as we gather as a church, there are people among our gathering who are not followers of Jesus or not yet followers of Jesus. That's to be expected. But when you think about church, those who are not followers of Jesus in the gathering are visitors in the gathering because the gathering is a gathering of Christians with visitors in it. We do church in a way that encourages visitors to see exactly who we are as Christians, to see why we do what we do, to understand what it means to be a Christian but we're doing what we do as Christians. Um, There was this church growth movement, maybe in the 80s, where there was a big push to run seeker-sensitive services, to run church in a way that is built for the non-Christian. At that point, it's some sort of gospel event. It's not church, because church is for Christians gathered around God's word. And as we do that, we want to do it in a way that draws visitors in. And so if you are a visitor here this morning, please keep coming. You're more than welcome. But there'll be things we do which will exclude you because you're not a follower of Jesus. It has to be that way because we are a group of believers gathering around Jesus. So let's be clear, church is a gathering of Christians. So far, we've just been thinking about definitions. Um, Have a look at the sermon outline. You realise there's a long way to go yet, but I'll speed up now. As followers of Jesus, we have been made alive in Jesus. We're sinners who've been made alive in Jesus by responding to the gospel of Jesus. So we had some verses read from Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. When you look at those verses, they are hugely encouraging. When you look across Colossians back in chapter 1, what you realize there is that a man called Epaphras brought the gospel to Colossae. It wasn't Paul that did that. Paul's heard that these Christians are there and he's writing to them. In chapter 2, he's writing because he wants them to keep growing, to keep building on the foundation or the roots of the faith that's begun in them, wants them to keep growing in that same trust in God. And so here in chapter 3, he's reminding them that they've been made alive in Jesus. So 3 verse 1, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's like 
You've been made alive in Jesus, so set your heart, your everything on Jesus. Look to him. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Don't get that verse the wrong way around. I think it's saying your old self is dead. The life you have is secure in Jesus, hidden in Jesus. Because verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do you get it? As Christians, we're sinful human beings. We've heard the gospel. We put Jesus as saviour and lord over us. New life has begun in us. Everything we live for is tied up with Jesus. It's safe and hidden and secure with him. And when he returns, we'll enjoy it to its full. Until he comes, the rest of the passage talks about putting off the old self, putting on the new. Everything Paul says to these Christians in Colossae, it's true for us too. As a church, we're a group of people, sinful human beings, who've been made alive in Jesus by God's work, the thing that he's done and finished through Jesus. The life we have, it's not something we've earned, it's not something we deserve. And so as you think about the simple truth of this and and how it makes us who we are, church is not a club for perfect people that have got everything sorted out. It's not that at all. Church is a group of sinful people who know that Jesus is the one that's given us life. Because we have been, because we are forgiven sinners striving to live for God, and you look at these verses, it's an ongoing process. Because it's incomplete, we're incomplete. We have the the warning construction in progress tape all over us. And as works in progress, we are just that. And we will bump off each other. We will hurt each other. We won't be perfect. We will have our struggles. We will have our life not fully sorted out. And as you bump off each other, you keep reading these verses, it's important how you treat each other. It all just fits together. Knowing that we're sinful, broken people that God is at work in should make it easier for us to be open and honest with each other because there's no one better than anyone else. We can be ourselves. So let's be clear on who we are as followers of Jesus. We are sinners who are saved by Jesus. We're all the same. There's no hierarchy system in church. It's not that, okay, so you've been at KPC for five years. You get into the, the next level of membership or something. It's not like that at all. You, you don't look at the elders and go, oh, I wish I could be. They want, they want to be setting the example, but as normal Christians. And you certainly don't hold the assistant minister um, or the minister. You know what I'm saying? We're all the same. We're all in this together, growing together, trying to live godly lives. So let's be clear that that's the case. We're made alive in Christ by responding to the gospel of Jesus in repentance and faith. So in chapter 1 of Colossians, they heard the gospel from a man called Epaphras. I'm, um, I'm not sure who you heard the gospel from. For me, I heard it from lots of people lots of times. I was a bit dumb. It took me a while to come around. But without the gospel of Jesus being presented to us, Without the act of repenting and putting our trust in Jesus, you don't become a Christian, do you? Sure, we repent ongoing every day. It's what makes you a Christian. But as you think about, again, the the, the obvious truth in this, if we want to grow a group of Christians, we need to be holding out the gospel. We need to be calling on people to repent, to come back to God. And so when we have visitors with us at church who are not followers of Jesus, we need to give them the opportunity become a follower of Jesus, to respond to the gospel, just as we give each other the opportunity to keep responding to the gospel. 
We have children who grow up in church. It's not that they're just going to magically become a Christian. At some point, they need to be given the opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And in my case, lots of opportunities. Opportunities to affirm the faith that they have. Um, we, we, we're in a church where a spouse might come to church, a husband or a wife who needs to be given the opportunity to put their trust in Jesus. This is just basic stuff, isn't it? As you think about who we are as a church. But it's important to be clear because there are churches who will go through all sorts of efforts of advertising whatever it is to get people into church without actually putting the gospel out there. It's not till people hear and respond to the gospel that they receive this new life that we have in Jesus. Um, it helps to be clear on who we are. We're a gathering of sinful people who've been made alive in Jesus by responding to the gospel. Once we've become a Christian, what do we do? Well, point two, we gather around Jesus and his gospel as people who belong to Jesus and want to live for him. If you come back to Colossians chapter 3, you see a bit of this happening. When you look at verses 12 through to 15, as Christians, we're made alive in Jesus and we're united, we're bound together around Jesus. So look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Um, this gathering we're part of here this morning is like this tiny little outcrop of the eternal gathering around Jesus in heaven. And as we share our lives together, you look at these verses, we're bouncing off each other. We're trying to be united to live in a way that shows we understand the gospel. I particularly like verse 13. If you have a look at verse 13, because it takes the pressure off. I don't have to like you, I just have to... No. It does though, doesn't it? Like we need to bear with each other, put up with the differences. We shouldn't feel guilty if we don't feel magically drawn in and attracted to another Christian that we want to... But we make the effort because the gospel's changed us and we see them as a brother and sister in Christ and we look after them that way. Um, you look back over those verses and yes, as a local church, we need to be clear. We don't become part of a church to become passengers. We become part of a church to, to work together, to serve together in growing in unity. You see it as well in, in, um, in Ephesians from chapter 4 onwards. You don't pick a church by deciding what you can get out of it. You pick a church by deciding, can I serve there? Will I be equipped to serve? Um, I've been around a little while now, and I think it's true to say that as Christians grow in maturity, they also grow in service. You see it in their service. And again, during a pandemic, service of each other is something we need to work extra hard at because there's extra challenges in the way. When we interact as Christians, it's Jesus and the gospel that should shape what we do. And I think you see that as you keep reading. So you come down to 3 verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You look at that, it's all about Jesus. And the word of God is in there richly informing and shaping our words and what we do, even the fact that we 
sing. And so as you think about what we do here as a church, we open the Bible to listen to God speak. We, we pray to bring all our concerns to, to God. We sing praises in a way that glorify God and build each other up with the truths of God's word and the gospel. And we're spurring each other on to keep trusting Jesus and living for him. And as we do all that, we're showing Christ-like love towards each other. It's like we're Jesus' body. We're his church. We belong to him. We want to live for him. As we continue to gather around Jesus and his gospel, it's the gospel of Jesus that it draws us into the gathering and builds us up as the church. And again, as you think about that, teaching the Bible in church matters. It's what kind of fuels it all, undergirds it all, builds it all up. Growing in knowledge matters. And so we want to be a local church that teaches the Bible. I mean, I think we've got that reputation um, because that's who we are. Any church that doesn't teach the Bible, keep your distance. What's the point? It's as we grow in knowing the gospel of Jesus that we will be equipped to serve each other and to build up the body. So the teaching of God's word, it needs to shape everything we do. And so it's not just the sermons on a Sunday, it's what's taught to KPC kids out in the other room. It's what the youth group do in their time together. It's what growth groups do. It's what we do with each other as we meet one-on-one or in, in triplets. A third and final point in the sermon outline, it flows from everything else we've been saying today and we get to look at it more next week, but what we want to do as a church is we want to grow as followers of Jesus and we'll do that as we grow in knowing Jesus, as we grow in living for him and as we grow in sharing the gospel of Jesus. So as we hold out the gospel of Jesus, we give people the opportunity to respond in repentance and faith, to be made alive in Jesus, to be made part of this church, this gathering around Jesus. And as we join this gathering around Jesus, we continue humbly to serve one another as we serve God. So as we think about keeping things clear, how are we going as a church? We're making changes this year, so Steve Young's come on as, a, as an assistant. Night Church is starting to take a bit of its own direction and so on. How are we going? Are we clear on who we are? If you see things which you think, why are we doing that? Raise it. Say something. And how are you going? 2022, it's kind of like this is the start of the church year as February rolls around. How are you going? Are you on board? If you're visiting us today, then are you at the point where... You want to say, yeah, I want to live for Jesus. I want to put my trust in him. I want to live with him as my Lord and Saviour. And if that's you, then take, uh, take action today. Do something today. Talk to someone who's near you or come and talk to me. I don't mind. But as we um, begin a new year together as a church, let's be clear on who we are. Let's be clear that we are sinners made alive in Jesus by responding to the gospel of Jesus. We gather around Jesus and his gospel as people who belong to him and want to live for him. And we're seeking to grow followers of Jesus by growing to know him, growing in living for him and growing in making him known. I'm going to pray um, and next week we'll look at what we do as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you work. Um, we thank you that we see your wisdom in the gospel of Jesus. Thank you for the way that you call sinners to be your people, to live for you. Lord, thank you for the people that you've put in our lives who've explained the gospel to us. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to keep trusting in Jesus and keep living for him. And we pray for the way we do church together. We pray that we would be doing everything to glorify you in a way that builds up Christ's body. We pray for each one of us that we would be seeking to grow followers of Jesus.
And we pray in his name. Amen.